Welcome to Proven Improbable, where we focus on metals, mining, and more. I'm your host, Maurice Jackson. Joining us for a conversation is one of the world's most respected names in the natural resource space, David Morgan of The Morgan Report. Mr. Morgan, welcome to the show. Maurice, thanks for having me. It's always fun to, to have a conversation with you. Thanks for inviting me. David, you and I were discussing offline some very interesting anomalies that are occurring at the moment in precious metals. Interestingly, these anomalies are going on beyond gold and silver and are in platinum, palladium, and rhodium. Let's begin with platinum and palladium. Put this into some type of perspective for listeners. How rare are these metals compared to gold and silver? Well, both platinum and palladium basically have the same mining profile, which means there is on any annual basis, there's about an equal amount of platinum palladium dug up out of the ground. That, uh, I was mistaken. If you look at the internet only, there's a lot of misinformation. So, of course, I went out and bought the uh, best studies on the PGMs, both Johnson Matthey and CPM. And looking at the mining data, they're basically mined at about the same level. And that level is 15 times rarer than gold. So it's not 10% of the gold market. It's not one-tenth. It's, one, it's, uh, it's 15 times rare. So they're very, very rare metals. You know, you often hear about the gold market and all the above-ground gold would fit into this, you know, magic cube or three Olympic-sized swimming pools. All the world's uh, platinum would fit into your living room. That's how rare it is. You know, I often share with subscribers that just because something is rare doesn't mean that it is valuable, you must consider utility. Can you share the utility these metals provide? Yes, first I'll back up and read into your question slightly that if you look at uh, platinum palladium from a classic monetary perspective, being fungible, being divisible, being uh, rare, being uh, you know scarce and all those things, they do qualify as money but they aren't treated as such. And this comes to your question, what's the utility value? Really, the utility value of both those metals is in industry only. I mean, there's some jewelry demand in platinum, very slight jewelry demand in palladium, but mostly it's catalytic converters, catalysts for the automobile industry for both those metals and some other uh industrial uses that are very slight. So basically it's auto catalysts and jewelry. And that pertains mostly to platinum over palladium. So if there is a switch to EVs, for example, electronic vehicles, the demand for uh, getting pollution out of the uh, <clears throat> internal combustion engine cycle by using platinum palladium and by the way, uh, palladium is used in gas engines and platinum is used in diesel engines. And that's one of the reasons you're seeing this run more on palladium than you are on platinum. But regardless, if we did a thought experiment and went, you know, three years out or 10 years out, I don't care. It's just a thought experiment. 10 years out and we see the EV market is 60% of the market and the other 40% are internal combustion engines, you would have a lot less demand for both those models. Which ties into my next question. How about the supply and demand fundamentals? Well, right now, they're both kind of on the edge, meaning that there is some above-ground supply. Uh, it's very tight, extremely small markets. But basically, again, the demand is 
uh, buy industry, and then there's what is the margin, the speculators. So if the speculators see that there is a tightness in the market, um, you know, fund managers, uh, family offices, whatever, can see a momentum play or whatever, do their own analytical work and determine that, you know, looks like palladium is the way to go. There's a great spread trade going on. Let's short platinum. Let's go long palladium. And let's see how far we can go. And, and those kind of scenarios, and of course, there's ETFs that are physical, so that can be played as well. And those kind of scenarios is kind of first in, first out, which means that, you know, if you're doing that game, it's such a small market, you want to be the guy that's in fairly early and the guy that's out fairly early because you don't want to wait too long because the market's so thin that uh, you don't want to be the last one buying and then there's no one to sell to. And those are kind of a good analogy for how those markets actually work. Now, David, what is the cost of production for platinum, and where is it mined? Platinum, first of all, these are PGM, platinum group metals. So they basically come in uh, not a platinum mine or a palladium mine or a rhodidium mine or iridium mine. These are platinum group metals. So, for instance, over in uh, the Stillwater Mine in Montana, a couple states over from me, I mean, if you dig out and refine it, what you get is PGMs. You get platinum group metal. So you get platinum, you get palladium, you get iridium. So that's how it plays. Now, if you look at South Africa, which is where primarily the platinum comes from, you're in a location that's got political uncertainty and almost more so by the day. And... Um, and there's not many places that you can mine it. So primarily the platinum comes from South Africa and from Russia. Uh, the Norlisk nickel mine is uh, a very good PGM producer. So those are basically your two. Both jurisdictions pose some problems relative to the West. Uh, and, you know, and that's a fact. So uh, I think you had another question in there, but. You know, that's that's the gist of it. If I didn't answer fully, just re-ask the question. Sure. Well, I was just concerned about the cost of production. I believe last time I checked, platinum was 1700 or has that number changed? Right. Yeah, that's right. No, it's still around that number. I mean, you know, you can tweak the numbers because of labor costs and on and on. But, I mean, for round numbers, rule of thumb, platinum is selling under the cost of production right now. Of course, that's a problem because... The platinum mines in South Africa are extremely deep. It's very uh, unreasonable conditions. It's just nature, but there's huge fans going. You've got a bunch of big air conditioning bill to worry about. You can only work the workers like a half hour at a time or else they're going to exhaust. I mean, it's a really tough, tough business for you know these South African mines. And, and yeah, 1700 is roughly a good rule of thumb. You know, someone could come in and look at... Uh, you know, Anglo Platts or somebody and say, well, David, it's, you know, $1,527.26 or something. I don't care. The idea <laughs> is that that we're, you know, we're actually under the cost. You know, if you want to be a platinum miner, the best way to do it is to buy physical platinum right now and store it, you know, because you're actually doing better than all the all the problems that are entailed when you when you mine anywhere in the world, let alone South Africa. Now, is this also germane to palladium? What is the cost of production there? Well, they're pretty much tied together uh, as they're, you know, again, I mean, there are mines like Montana is primarily a palladium mine. The PGMs come out, but you're getting more palladium per scoop than you are platinum. 
but I'd say roughly the same. I haven't done the analysis to break it down. Uh, so I'll just have to rely on the fact that they're mined together in most places and that um, it's probably a bit less because most of the palladium is outside of uh, South Africa. A lot comes from South Africa. What I'm trying to say is between Norlisk and Stillwater, you're probably getting a fairly significant amount of palladium, whereas not as much platinum. So dominance is in South Africa and Russia for platinum. Dominance is probably between Russia and the U.S. for palladium. Now, is there any reason in particular that the Morgan Report has identified why palladium is priced higher than platinum? Well, I did a white paper several years ago. We looked at it, and I didn't do a spread trade, but I was very bullish palladium over platinum. And one was that it was a cheaper metal at the time and yet served the same utility. So, you know, if you can hire a, a maid to, you know, clean your house and the one that you're, you're, you have currently is costing you, uh, you know, $25 an hour, and you can find one that's just as good for $15 an hour, I think you're going to make the switch. And we saw that. So this is what took place in the auto catalyst market. And then there's always that little bit of what else can it do? Uh, you know, are there going to be new uses, new utility values found, especially with the, you know, rare earth element situation, meaning that, you know, with all these exotics that are used in cell phones, as one example, there's always a potential for these elements to be utilized at small quantities in high volume. So we looked at that and said, you know, we really favor palladium over platinum. And that, of course, has come true. And uh, I, many of members of the Morgan Report, I put them in contact with a physical dealer that I actually use for my uh, palladium purchases. I use a couple, but one in particular and, uh, you know, a fair amount of, uh, of members decided they wanted to have a palladium position. This is certainly the top tier. In other words, I would never recommend anybody buy any palladium or platinum unless they've already got a good base in gold and silver. And for most people, that's all they need. But if you want to go out in the exotics, uh, those are two that you can. And that sometimes it makes sense. So we basically called that one. Uh, early, but I'd rather be early than late. And certainly, um, full disclosure, I actually have sold off very recently uh, part of my palladium position. Well, that was going to be a question I was going to ask here coming up, but uh, let me ask you this as well then. Currently, the ratio is nearly one-to-one -one with platinum and palladium, but what has it been historically? It varies. I mean, if you go back and look at it, I mean, you've seen like $200 uh, palladium with, you know, $2,000 platinum or whatever. And it's now, you know, one-to-one -one actually. Palladium, as we just mentioned, sells above the cost of platinum. So it's gone to, you know, from roughly 10 to 1 to 1 to 1. The average would be about 5 to 1. I haven't done an arithmetic mean to do the mean average, what it would be. But if I just did it in my head looking at the charts, it's probably about 3 to 1. So obviously, you know, a good long-term trade might be, I'm not going to say it is, it could be, uh, to do the reverse, go long platinum and short palladium. You know, uh, I don't think you'll see this um, discrepancy forever, but who knows? I mean, the market's no more than anyone. 
I'm very glad I had an extremely modest uh, platinum position and a rather aggressive palladium position, I'll tell you that. <laughs> well, I have to share with you as well, and for all of our listeners, we are subscribers to the Morgan Report, and I can recall yourself and David Smith referring to the merits of um, palladium years ago. So thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Now, switching on to an even smaller market, let's discuss rhodium. How big is the market compared to platinum and palladium? Well, compared to gold, I mean, the, the rhodium market is so teeny, it's about 1% of the gold market. So if platinum palladium are 15 times rarer than gold, um, you know, if it was uh, 10%, you know, and it's like, <clears throat> it's even less than that, uh, you're looking at an extremely small market. So if we go back to the, you know, all the platinum that's ever been mined in the world would fit, you know, in one cube, you know, not bars stacked against each other. I mean, in one physical cube probably fit in your living room. Uh, the amount of rhodid rhodium would fit, you know, in the corner. I mean, it's really, really rare. Now, can you share the uh, utility that rhodium provides? Yeah, again, it's industrial primarily. You're looking also at auto catalysts, and you're looking at uh, LCDs, liquid crystal displays, and other glass products that are used with rhodium. So that's the primary uh, purposes of that metal. There are others, but those aren't really worth mentioning. Those are the two primary purposes. And what about the cost of production, and where is it? mind i know we've kind of covered that the pgms kind of come together but where's it predominantly coming from uh, i don't know if i really don't know predominantly i mean predominantly probably from the biggest pgm mine in the world i mean norlisk still water in south africa again uh you know which one of those places is it more prevalent in the pgm mix i don't know but uh that's where it comes from as far as the cost of production, it's used as a credit. It's such a small thing. I mean, I could probably work backwards and figure out what the actual cost is. I'm not going to bother. It's like uh, it's like silver, for example, although many people might get upset by hearing this, but most people listen to your show, Maurice, or me understand this. But let's take uh, you know a large conglomerate like uh, Rio Tinto. Uh, they've got massive silver production. But compared to what they get in lead, silver is just a byproduct that they use as a credit. So they might mine, uh, you know, I don't know, I'm going to make up a number, but, you know, 200 million um, worth of uh, <clears throat> lead and only uh, one fifteenth uh, of that, let's say, in silver. They don't even look at the cost of silver. They just look at it as a lead byproduct and take that to the balance sheet and subtract it. Same thing happens in rhodium. Excuse me, rhodium. So that's uh, that's the way it's done. You know, as far as what's the cost, I really don't know. I mean, I could stab at it, but I don't need some troll to tell me I'm wrong. You can, if someone figures it out, they can put it in the comments section. <laughs> Certainly. Now, rhodium is up 50% in the last 60 days, if I'm not mistaken. Is there a supply crunch or some huge demand that just came out on the market that we don't know about? None to my knowledge. If it's there, I don't know about it either. What I'd say is that usually these momentum plays in these small markets. There are small hedge funds, and they play the momentum game. If they see palladium moving, they might be first in on, uh, <clears throat> on rhodium. 
and then you know call their buddies or have some of their friends write a positive article on why rhodium's going back to ten thousand, blah 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 blah, and ride that wave. I mean, if you listen to Jim Cramer, I mean, he talked about when he was running a fun and. They especially do it on the short side. I mean, these guys are notorious for putting out what I'll call fake news uh, on different companies to get it, the, the stock price down. It works both directions, but primarily on the short side. So, you know, that's my guess. I think it's a good guess from my experience, but it doesn't guarantee I'm right. If there is a new use or something, I'm not aware of it. Now, you mentioned 10,000. Rhodium was 10,000 less than 10 years ago. Do you see rhodium cooling off or remaining on this path? I think it's going to go right along with uh, the other PGMs. I think it's going to cool off. I think the $1,000 print that we saw on Palladium a while back, I mean, just a few days ago, uh, pretty close to where I off some, uh, could be it. Could be wrong. Maybe it's going to 2000 I don't know if I'm wrong. I'm not uh, upset by saying I'm wrong and getting right back in and writing it for another $1,000. But I don't think that's the case. I don't like the way the COTs are looking on the gold side, especially right now. And I don't like the market action, so I think that we're probably more likely to go sideways to down than we are to go up right now. And since the PGMs do go to their own drummer, so you know, somewhat. I mean, it's very happy to have a palladium position while gold and silver were kind of just, you know, aimlessly flowing sideways to down. And a nice year in 2016 that you know sold off toward the end of the year, regardless. It's nice to hold something in the precious metals group that continued to make gains. But I think we're about there for now. I don't think we're going a lot higher. All right. Now, David, off the subject of precious metals, can you give us your thoughts on cryptocurrencies? Well, again, I'm still neutral. I think that uh, I think from a philosophical perspective, they're very important. I mean, if you go back to the late great Michael Rupert, you know, and I've quoted him before, and I don't think he really gets enough attention, but that's my personal view. But he says, unless we change the way money works, we haven't changed anything. And the thing about the cryptos is it's an attempt to change the way money works. Instead of being centralized power by the banking elite that controls governments through the money power, you now have uh, free market money in the true sense of the word. You've got an alternative that's outside the banking system per se. Now, where I have a hang-up uh, and haven't studied enough, I'm going to comment basically on opinion, not on fact, is I'm not convinced to this day that these cryptos are truly outside of the system. And even if they are, I have some concern that they could be usurped by the government authorities. But what we really do want is what Michael Rupert said. We want money that works differently than it has in the past, which means that you take the money power away from the banking elite that control basically everything from the top down through the power of money, which means governments in and of themselves. It's, and the governments control the military. And uh, you know, so the banks are controlling basically industry, and that controls basically the government at all levels. I'm talking on a global basis. And then, you know, you've got uh, everything down from there and you got the citizenry looking up to, you know, their authoritarian uh, situation, be it a quote unquote democracy or a dictatorship or what have you. Doesn't really matter. The bankers don't care. They've said so publicly. It doesn't matter to them as long as they have control of the currency. So we got to change that. Does the blockchain enable that to take place? And it's a yes in theory it does. 
in practicality, have we or have we not, remains, in my view, to be determined. But I'm certainly very, very much in line with the philosophy of it. Again, my concern being that can we really establish that, and if we establish it, we'll be able to maintain it. Does that make sense? It certainly does. Now, Bitcoin is the most discussed and uh, lauded uh, cryptocurrency. Do you think it's overvalued right now? I don't know. I mean, when I gave that speech on it at the uh, writers conference up in uh, Vancouver, and it already had done a very strong parabolic move uh, based on the volume. I said it still had a lot longer to go, and I'm going to stab at numbers. You can look it up. Uh, again, trolls can hit me up hard. I'm not going to bother right now looking it up. i got too much on my desktop, but I think it might have been around 2,000 or so, and we've already hit five, so that's like two and a half times. And I don't know how high it's going to go. Is it overvalued or not? I'd say the market knows more than me on that. Uh, you know, you've seen these wild projections, 25,000 or even a million. I don't know. I really don't. Uh, again, it depends on the market. I think that as this market starts to mature, which is still just beyond infancy, I mean, the idea is there it's starting to be acknowledged by some of the general public. It's just barely touching the fringes of the general public's awareness. There will be some competitors that are as good as or perhaps even better. So that may take some of the power away from Bitcoin, but I don't know. I mean, if you look, if I look at it on a technical basis only, on that speech I gave months ago, and from what I know of markets, I'd say, you know, 10,000 is certainly not out of the question. Um, and, you know, can it go up from there? Of course it can, but I just don't. I don't have anything more to offer on that, Maurice. Well, you know, the virtues I like about cryptocurrencies, although I don't own any of them, is that they are decentralized. But here's a question I have for you. Due to the fact that they are currencies and not money, do you believe that history will repeat itself and cryptocurrencies will go to a value of zero? Wow, that's a great question. Uh, boy, <laughs> that was a, that's a good one to throw at me because, you know, one of the basic tenets that I've used for years is that, you know, all unbacked currencies eventually find their intrinsic value of zero or near zero. I mean, they don't always go to absolute zero, but they get to a point where the market, um, you know, rejects them. I mean, that's happened when in Zimbabwe, and it's happened to many others. It's in our book, The Silver Manifesto, goes through, I think there's like 30 of them since 1990. But most people aren't aware of them, and you don't even hear it on the mainstream financial press. No one really gets on uh, MSNBC or Fox or, you know, the business channel and says, oh, by the way, another currency failure because it's unbacked, took place today, and blah, 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 land. You don't hear that, but it does. It happens. Will it happen in the cryptos? I'm stalling. I'm trying to think as I speak. I'd say philosophically, yes. I mean, some of these are just basically scams or frauds in my view. So they're definitely going to go there. Uh, on its own merit, I don't know. I'm going to reserve judgment on that. I'm going to waffle a bit and dance around a bit. I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to say to be determined. You know, the, as we've talked about on, I think, the show before, maybe the one before that, there's two basic ideas of money. I mean, you can have hundreds, but the basic two ideas are one, it's specie, it's something tangible of intrinsic value. And people say, well, gold doesn't have intrinsic value. Yes, it does. It takes labor and energy to dig it, find it, refine it, 
and stamp it into a coin. That's labor and energy. So it has intrinsic value. No, you might not agree with the price, but you can't argue it doesn't have intrinsic value. That's that's ridiculous. So you have specie money, or you have a legal fiction that some authority figure tells you is money, or a contractual basis that enough people say, you know, I don't like government money. We're going to have Bitcoin instead, and people vote and say, yep, that's that's the money of choice, and that's fine. I'm all for that. Uh, so. Basically, they compete against each other over time, and one wins out. And what's happened in all of recorded history so far is the one that's a legal fiction dies, and one that's intrinsic value remanifests as the as the money of choice. Of course, there's a possibility of blend them this time, which some are for and some are against. I'm actually for it myself, but that's you know my opinion. The market will determine whether or not it's a good idea. Fair enough answer. <laughs> all right. We've referenced your work, but can you please share with us, what is the Morgan Report? Well, we look at, uh, I used to have the subset, you know, money, mining, and metals. And that's a good analysis of kind of a top view. I mean, we look at all the elements. So if you want to know how to invest in cobalt, how to invest in lithium, how to invest in vanadium, how to invest in palladium, all those type of things, uh, you know, the rare earth elements, the energy metals, uh, the battery metals, that type of thing. You know, the Morgan Report covers all that. The only thing we really don't touch on very often is the energy uh, sector like oil, gas, and coal, although we look at coal from time to time. So anything to do with a mineral, we cover it. And most of the time, a lot of these uh, situations, the best way to get exposure is through the stock market. I mean... To invest in uh, cobalt or lithium, for an example, it's pretty hard. There's no real lithium dealer on your street corner you can go down and buy you know, physical lithium from. So the problem with those type of situations is that there is a lot, a lot of uh, situations that are really a very low value or merit. In fact, in my view, there's probably one, maybe two lithium companies worth investing in. Same thing with cobalt. So we save people a lot of time and energy. Now, you know, people, the trolls will come in and say, I bought XYZ lithium and it went from five cents to 50 cents and I made a 10 bagger and, you know, Morgan doesn't know what he's talking about. Well, I'm not going to argue a fact. I mean, if you make a 10 bagger on a, on a lithium company that has no lithium in any way, shape or form, good for you. But that's not the way how I analyze markets. I analyze markets from a truthful standpoint. Remember, you know, one of the sayings I've started to use more and more is there's nothing more powerful than the truth. And the truth is that there's a very um, small amount of viable companies in the mining sector, and there's a whole lot of penny stocks. Remember, cheap stocks are cheap for a reason. I'm not saying that all cheap stocks are bad deals. I have one in our portfolio, and you're well aware of it. And uh, in fact, more than one. But uh, those are speculations. Uh, we say bet money on those stocks you can only afford to lose. So I play the game right. But mostly, you know, powerful money goes into powerful companies that you're almost guaranteed of doing well if you pick the right one. So that's kind of how we look at the markets. I want to look at it from a longer term viewpoint where we're really looking for value. We're not looking for, you know, the latest, greatest phase or fad. We're looking more for a long-term investor uh, perspective that you can buy this. In some cases, in some of these royal companies, royalty companies, 
that we were early on. I mean, these are legacy stocks. I mean, these stocks you can probably pass on through a trust to your family for a very long time. Uh, those are that's, that's investing. Uh, speculating is something else. And, of course, we do both. And that's why I do the videos, Marie, as you know, because when you're looking at something as volatile, say, the palladium market, you want to be a little bit more careful of how you play that market versus what you might do with, let's say, a well-established uh, gold or precious metals royalty company. So they're different animals, and you have to treat them that way, differently. I know for someone listening right now, they want to know about these legacy companies. So how do they become a subscriber? Well, I think the best way is a two-step process. Just go to themorganreport.com and get a free uh, email, get on a free email list. You'll get good information from me every week on the weekend, and then we do some advertising to just keep us, you know, paying everybody. But uh, the Morgan Report itself, uh, there's a um, subscribe now button on the main website, and you uh, you have nothing to lose. I mean, basically, you can take a subscription, look at everything. It's way too much to describe. You see me inside the website. We have all these special reports that we've done, and of course, all the back issues and the videos that I do on uh, two or three a month. <clears throat> Regardless, all that information, you can try it out for like uh, 30 days by law. We extend that to two months. And if it's not to your liking, let us know full refund. So you have nothing to lose. It's above and beyond what almost most do in this industry. Most focus on these, you know, cheap stocks, again, that are cheap for a reason. And, you know, tout the fact that if you buy this, you know, 12 cent stock, it's going to the moon, you're going to get rich. And, you know, that game has been played for the 40 years I've been in the industry. I mean, there's a whole, the whole industry is basically based upon that idea that, you know, if you buy this, you know, penny stock, it's going to go to the moon and junior mining is the way to go and junior, 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 junior. And, you know, there are some junior stocks that go, it's about one in 4,000. Uh, I have a better track record than anybody in the industry for picking juniors that actually became mines. And I'm not a geologist, so how did I do that? You know, So there's a lot to consider. But if you want to play the gambling game, uh, certainly almost every newsletter out there, with the exception of a few, deal in that realm. There's one gentleman that does analysis similar to mine, but his uh, subscription price is uh, <clears throat> three times the cost of ours. And uh, they only do about 10 stocks, whereas we do many more than that in the formal portfolio. We do about 10, 10, 10, 10 in the top tier, 10 in the mid tier, and 10 in the speculation. So you have 30 instead of uh, just 10. And then we do uh, what we call honorable mentions, which we've just done a great analysis on 19 silver companies. So anyone that was in the silver space that wants to know how their company stacks up, could uh, get that report and look and they see what the you know enterprise value is what the projections are how what the sensitivity analysis is how sensitive is my stock to the silver price oh my goodness my stock is much less sensitive than these other five companies you might decide you know i think i'd rather sell this stock that i love that i heard this and this about from this other guy and buy this you know one of these because it's far more leveraged to the price of silver than the company I'm currently holding. I mean, that's the kind of information that you want if you're serious. And that's the kind of information we provide for serious investors in the resource sector. And I say resource sector because the Morgan Report covers just about anything in the resource sector, although we spend most of our time in the precious metal side, we certainly look at everything. I mean, I was the first to recommend the cobalt back uh, formation minerals before it changed its name with Marianne Green. Uh, you know, I was first on the rare earth element space. 
before that became like the greatest thing to do and that lasted for a few years and then of course it's cooled off considerably so anyway we stay on top of the resource sector that's what i'm saying and for our subscribers we have been proud subscribers uh to the morgan report since 2010 2009 the information is just as you just alluded to david it is just value rich now speaking of value rich you along with chris marchese wrote a must-have book for our subscribers entitled the silver manifesto give us a brief narrative well i think you can go to amazon and look at the reviews and read those i think that'd be a better sales pitch than me telling you it's great since chris and i wrote it i would go to amazon.com look at the silver manifesto and read I'd also say that uh, for those that are do-it-yourselfers, what I just outlined about how to pick a mining company, we gave you a whole chapter on how to do it. We tell we don't tell you know, we're just straight up, you know, like I said, nothing more powerful than the truth. We truthfully teach you how in that book to do the analysis that we do. And certainly there are some young and not so young, bright individuals, male and female out there that probably can take that chapter and uh, teach themselves how to do it and save themselves the cost of the Morgan Report. Uh, others will look at that and say, oh my goodness, I had no idea it was this involved. I think I need the market report, but it's there. And, you know, it's probably the best, you know, $30. If you're really interested in this sector, uh, you know, for $30, you're looking at nine months worth of my work and Chris's work going back and forth. And, you know, the editing alone costs almost $4,000 on that book. You know, I had it professionally edited and all that stuff. So, you know, that's where the value is. I mean, if you want to spend the money on the Morgan Report, certainly we'll accept your money and we'll try to do our best to keep you a pleased uh, member of the Morgan Report. But if you just want to get, um, you know, something that's kind of a classic and will continue to provide timeless information for you, get the book, 30 bucks. That's that's really a bargain. And for our listeners, I want to emphasize this is a must-have book and you will find the link to the Silver Manifesto under our education tab. Now, sir, before we leave here, everyone wants to know, where will you be presenting next? Well, I'll be at the uh, Gold Show in New Orleans, and that will be the 24th, 25th, 26th of October. So next week, I'll be in New Orleans. Then I leave for Australia on the 4th of November. I'll be at the Precious Metals Investment Symposium in Melbourne, Australia, as a keynote. And I will be attending the Melbourne uh, Cup, which is kind of Kentucky Derby of Australia. And then I come back and rest for about a week, and I'll be at the Gold and Silver Summit in San Francisco, California, on the 19th and 20th of November. And then after that, I've kind of run out of pages on my calendar, but I know one of the best shows is always in January in Vancouver, British Columbia, and that's sponsored by Cambridge House. Well, it looks like I'll be following you. I'll be actually finally have the opportunity to meet you at the New Orleans Investment Conference here next week. And then I'll also be in Australia at the same time conducting a site visit. So, <laughs> unbeknownst to me, you were going to Australia. But last question for you here. What did I forget to ask? I don't think you forgot anything. I mean, maybe, you know, I, I am a bit philosophical and some love it and some hate it. But, you know, it's you asked me for the interview. I just say put money in the proper context. Certainly the money powers have been there for a very long time. But, you know, people are questioning a lot of things these days as they should. You know, what's it all about? You know, I made a bunch of money. I'm not any happier. Um, I think you put money in the proper perspective of someone's, you know, life. You know, and if you don't have enough, I understand that. You know, that's not a, a great place to be. I mean, I want everyone to be 
comfortable. I want, uh, you know, I would like to see a more equitable system available for everybody worldwide, but that's not our reality. But I also think those that are um, well enough off ought to look at what they can give back rather than adding more. And I would say, um, again, just take a balanced approach to life. I mean, whenever you're too set in any one direction, usually life has a way of kind of whacking alongside the head and saying, hey, wake up, you know, you need to reevaluate. You know, someone that's, for example, workaholic and neglects their kids, uh, I'll use Steve Jobs as an example, Certainly, we all admire him, myself included. But, you know, you get near the pancreatic cancer situation, and you look back and go, I really didn't get to spend as much time with my kids as I might have or could have or should have. And that's something that, you know, I would suggest that you consider, you know, what's important. And really, when you get down to it, you've got two major emotions in the human experience, love and fear. And most of us are run on fear almost daily because, you know, I don't have enough money. Or I've got so much. What am I going to do with it? I might lose it. Or in the other realm, I'm not healthy enough or I'm too healthy. I'm being fanatical about it or on and on. You get these extremes. And what we really need to do is live more in the love and what I can give and what I can contribute and what I can do to make a difference. And, of course, as Gandhi said, you know, let the change begin with yourself. So if you look at yourself and you're calm and peaceful on the inside and you can emanate that in your daily life in the presence of others always and everywhere, wherever you find your circumstances, certainly you are contributing to the betterment of all those around you, believe it or not. So I'll leave on that philosophical statement and uh, I'll let the trolls hit me on that one as hard as they'd like. Well, David, I'm smiling from ear to ear. Those are priceless words of wisdom. Uh, last question for you. Can you give us your website one more time? Sure. There's two, really. I think if you're really interested in the resource sector, you should go to my domain. It's called richesinresources.com. That's richesinresources.com and get the 11-page report. And if you're just focusing on the silver market, go to themorganreport.com and get the uh, silver price forecast for the year 2017. And, uh, you know, I wrote that several months ago. I wouldn't change a word in it. I think it's going to prove very accurate for this year. And last but not least, please visit our website, www.provenandprobable.com, where we interview the most respected names in the natural resource space. You may reach us at contact at provenandprobable.com. David Morgan of The Morgan Report, thank you for joining us today on Proven and Probable. Thank you for joining us today on Proven and Probable. Remember to like and subscribe for more conversations with the most respected names in the natural resource space. Check out our website at www.provenandprobable.com. The information presented on Proven and Probable is provided for educational and informational purposes only, without any express or implied warranty of any kind, including warranties of accuracy, completeness, or fitness for any particular purpose. The information is not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice, or any other advice. You should not make any financial, investment, or trading decision based on any of the information presented without first undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional broker or competent financial advisor.